Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. We've been talking about this, this message that the Lord has placed in my heart entitled Fall Afresh. And how many of you just over the last several weeks have just felt the, a fresh outpouring of the Lord upon your life? Amen. How many of you would agree with me tonight? Amen. I felt the Lord just pouring out in a new way, amen, and he's been pouring over us in a, in a powerful way, church, and, and, and like I said, the Bible says that, that he, he fills the hungry, amen, that he reigns on thirsty land, and it's, and it's, and it's so, it's a, it's the obvious invitation from us when we worship and when we glorify God and when we praise God and when we lift him up and when we thank him and our hearts are, are full of gratitude, we see the Lord's power move and the Lord begins to descend upon the place because the hearts of his people are completely abandoned to him. There's a posture that happens in worship there's a posture that happens in worship when we are fully, you know, giving ourselves to the Lord that, that I believe it is, it is, you know, like the scripture says, on earth as it is in heaven. We bring heaven down to earth through our, our worship and our praise. Amen? That is the spirit of God, the presence of God, what heaven looks like, which is a place of what? No sickness. No disease. It's nothing but pure glory and majesty in the presence of God. When we worship through our circumstance, we see the power of God begin to move into the room. And, it, and, it, and it's as if it's heaven on earth. Amen. And so I'm thankful that when we have these opportunities to worship, the Lord moves and the Lord speaks. And the Lord is, is, is challenging your life and the Lord is 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 filling your life with himself, amen? And so I want us to continue in this message. Uh, last week I spoke to you a little bit about witnessing and, 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 and I want to kind of continue along that path tonight as time allows. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to stay here in, in uh, Acts chapter 2 for most of the evening is going to kind of be where we're hovering around. We'll go other places, but I want us to start here tonight. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5, Now, there were, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Now this sound, the Bible says it was like a mighty rushing wind. It says when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each heard their own language being spoken. It goes on to say in verse 7, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of our God in our own tongues. 
Now, sometimes we kind of skip over this and we pass through this and we don't really take time to sort of examine this. So verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Why do we take time to pray over the word tonight? Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, tonight that you would just speak to your children Lord, we open our ears, we open our hearts, Lord, to receive from your truth. Lord, let your word be planted in our life, Lord, like a seed from heaven, Lord Jesus. And may it flourish, Lord, may it bear much fruit, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So they asked the question, what does this mean? These men who were from different nations, they were from different parts of the world. They were all gathered together to witness the fulfillment and, of the call and the commission of Christ. Now, what was the call and commission? Let's read Acts 1.8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what was the power for? Everybody say it. For witnessing. What was the power for? It's simple. It was for witnessing. Witnessing where? He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were, and in all of Judea, which was their surrounding area, and Samaria, which was even surrounding that, and to the ends of the earth. Mark 16 and verse 15 says, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Let's read it one more time. Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to who? All creation. Verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. I'm not going to be picking up a snake anytime soon. I'm just letting you know. But the scripture says all things are possible. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Verse 20, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So the power is for the preaching. Amen? The power is for the witnessing. The power is so that they are filled with exactly what it is that they need in order to fulfill the task at hand. Amen? And so obedience to the word is a sign of maturity in the Lord. Amen? How many of you have ever been obedient to God? I pray that you, you are and you have been. Right? The Lord told you to pray for somebody. What did you do? Hopefully you prayed for them. The Lord told you to give of, of your finances to bless on somebody. I hope that you listened. That's obedience. The Lord says, do not be hearers of the word only, but doers. Faith without works is dead. So we see that the scripture in maturity, for those of us who are maturing in the Lord, for those of us who are growing in the Lord, amen, I pray that we are. I pray that we're moving past the spiritual milk stage. We're getting into some meat now. But when we get into this place, obedience to the word is a sign of maturity. Jesus in this passage said, go, and verse 20 says, they went. 
Jesus says go, and they went. But Pastor Duke, you don't understand. The times that we are living in are very challenging. You know, I can't just open my mouth, you know, and share the gospel because I'm going to be criticized. You know, people might, you know, call me a name or think a certain way of me because, because you know, I'm going to uh, tell the truth. I'm going to speak the gospel, you know, and, and, and it's tough to speak, you know, in front of people. You know, I'm not, I'm not good with words. You know, I'm not enabled to, able to share with people. You know, these aren't my strong suits. And people are quick to come up with excuses. People are quick to come up with reasons why they can't speak, why they can't share, why they can't tell the gospel to people in their world. But if we're mature, and we are maturing in the Lord, when the Lord gives us a command, we're supposed to fulfill it. Amen? Talking to grown-ups tonight, amen? So if the Lord through his Holy Spirit, think about this. If the Lord through the Holy Spirit can cause men to speak in a brand new language, listen to me carefully. We'll go back to that verse just for a second. Let's, uh, let, let me touch on that again. The first verse that we read. Acts 2 and 7, utterly amazed. Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Think about this just for a second. If the Holy Spirit can cause men to speak in new languages that they had never learned. How many of you speak French in here? Anybody? We? No? We? <laughs> you see? <laughs> yeah. I, I took French uh, for like six months in I think seventh or eighth grade. I retained none of it. I only know French fries, you know, I only know, you know, I don't know, you know, that's the only French bread, you know. <laughs> I lost the language. I know a little bit of what I would call Tex-Mex. Can't really say I know Spanish. Thank God for Google Translate, amen? But I know English. And when the Holy Spirit came upon these men... They learned a new language. All of a sudden, they were speaking in the tongue of another man's language. It'd be like right now, the Holy Spirit came upon your life, and all of a sudden, you were speaking German. You were speaking French. You were speaking Chinese. You were speaking Japanese. All of a sudden, all these different languages started coming out, and it's like, wait, hold on a second. I'm not from Japan. How is it that I am able to do this? Listen, church, there is no limits for the Holy Spirit. There are no limits for the Holy Spirit. You say, but Pastor Duke, it doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem logical. There are no limits for the Holy Spirit. There are no limits. In this moment, they were speaking languages they never learned. And guess what? If he can empower them to lay their hands on the sick and see them recover then surely the Lord can speak through your life and through your mouth and his Holy Spirit can flow through your life to lead others to him. Everybody say amen. amen. So I want us to look at this portion of scripture. I want us to look at the calling of Jeremiah. So if you have your Bible, open up to Jeremiah chapter 1. And this story resonates with me so much and I, I pray that it, it speaks to your heart and it resonates with you as well. Jeremiah chapter 1 of verse 5 says this. We've all heard this verse before. It says, before I formed you in the womb, 
I knew you. Don't you think just for a moment that the God who created you, informed you, knows you better than anyone? And guess what? He's still unafraid to call you. The God that has created your very life, he formed your skin. He knows the number of hairs you have on your head or used to have on your head. He knows every part of your life. He knows the the, the day that you are going to come into this world. He knows the day that you're going to leave this world. He knows every single thing about your life. Think about this just for a second. If he knows every secret, every, every frailty, every failure, every good thing, every bad thing, he knows all of these things about you. And yet he would still choose you for his purpose. You say, but God, how is it, Lord, that you would want to have anything to do with me, wretched old me? The one who has failed time and time again. The one who's made promises to you, God, that I I didn't fulfill. The one that said, oh, Lord, I will go and I will do and I will serve, Lord, but daily makes mistakes. Even that one, he has called. Everyone say, he's called me. Psalm 139 and verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He knows you. He's called you. He's chosen you. So let's keep going. Jeremiah 1 and 5, he says, So before you were born, I set you apart. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse 6, Alas, O sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. He says, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Talking about maturity. We're talking about growing up. Jeremiah's like, I'm too young. I'm incapable of doing this. My words are not good enough. I'm not not a good speaker. I'm not, you know, used to being this and being that. He said, you must go to everyone that I send you to and say whatever I command. Solomon, when he was asked to take over for his, for his dad, King David, in, verse, in 1 Kings chapter 3, he said these words. He says, now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. He says, but I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. You see, this man, Solomon, the Bible says that he had wisdom like no other. He was blessed with wisdom because he asked a simple question and he he made a certain statement. I don't want to tell you something tonight. I need to give you free reign to do this because sometimes I think we, we forget that we actually have this kind of access with God. Being honest with the Lord is one of the most important things that you can do. Amen? We can't fool him, that's for sure. We can't trick him and we can't fake our way into trying to convince him to, you know, be on our side or do anything favors for us. But Solomon said this, he said, I'm only a little child and I, don't, I do not know how to carry out my duties. 
I'll stop there just for a second and remind us tonight that the enemy always wants to point out your weaknesses. Amen? Has the enemy ever, you know, pushed that button in your life that, you know, you know he knows is there? He knows that thing that, that will set you off. He knows that thing that will distract you. He knows that thing that will keep you from feeling, fulfilling the will of God in your life. And so the enemy always points to the weaknesses of our flesh. But the Lord hasn't called us to live by the flesh. Amen? Amen? He's called us to live by faith in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 2, I love this verse. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Let it sink in just for a second. For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. You see, the devil can't kill what's not alive. The devil can't kill what's not alive. The devil can't pin you down by your flesh if it's not alive. But if you're living in the spirit, he says, I live. He says, the life that I now live, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Everyone say this, say, I'm not too young. The Lord told Jeremiah to stop saying what he thought his weakness was. He commanded him to stop that. And I need to encourage you tonight that whatever you know that weakness is, it's okay if you have identified it in your life. It's okay if you understand that it's there. Even Paul said, I have this thorn in my flesh. Paul even knew that there was something, you know, that he said, you know, it was a... It was, it was something that had tormented his life over and over and over. But listen, the Lord told Jeremiah to stop saying what he thought was a weakness and to start saying what God had commanded him to say. If you focus on the weakness and if you focus on the, the, the failure in your life, if you focus on the, the inadequacies and the things that you think are not able to be used by God or somehow that you know, God is never going to you know, move through your life because you know, those things exist, you're wrong. And the Lord would say, just like he spoke to Jeremiah, stop saying this about yourself. Just do what I say. Speak what I say. That's what obedience looks like. Jesus himself said, he said, my father and my mother, my sister and my brother, he says, those are them that do the will of God. The ones that do what he has asked them to do, those are sons and daughters of God. Amen? Solomon did what every one of us must do, and that is he asked for the most important thing. He asked for wisdom, and he asked for discernment. We are living in a day and age, church, where we need to ask for wisdom, and we need to ask for discernment. Amen? Why? The Bible says that the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the Bible says for you and I, Jesus said these words, he says, be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. And so when we ask for wisdom and we ask for discernment, the Lord will pour it into your life. Make no mistake, that is the next choice that comes into your life. The Lord will give you wisdom over that. And we need to pray for that every single day, man. We need to pray and say, Lord, give me the wisdom that I need, God, so that I don't make a mistake. 
so that I don't act on my own behalf, Lord, so that I don't say on my own accord, Lord, or do something according to my will, Lord, but so that I can please you. Amen? And so Solomon did what we must do, and that is he asked for discernment. That is, it's okay to admit, like what Solomon said, it's okay to admit he, we have no idea what to say. When witnessing the gospel and, and, and sharing the gospel, sometimes I get it. You think, I have no idea what to say. I have no idea where to start with this, who to say it to, when to say it. But guess what? It's not okay to say nothing. It's not okay to say nothing. If he's Lord of your life, you can't stop talking about him. If he's truly king of your heart, then he's going to come up in everything that you say and do. He's going to come up in the workplace. He's going to come up when you're hanging out with family. He's going to come up when you're out to eat with people. His life is going to radiate through your life. Amen. That is, he's going to be the topic of conversation from your mouth. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and implying your heart to understanding, indeed, he says, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding... And if you look for it as uh, for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Amen. But even for those of us who are a little, you know, more experienced in life or a little bit older in life, the same challenges are presented to us from the enemy. The same challenges are presented to your life from the enemy. How many of you remember Moses? Amen. Moses was kind of old, actually, when God called him. Moses wasn't a spring chicken. Well, he was young when the Lord called him, but when he actually accepted the call, he was a little bit older in life. But in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says that Moses said to the Lord, he says, pardon your servant, Lord. He said, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. He said, I am slow of speech and tongue. Verse 11 says, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? And who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He said, now go and I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. The Holy Spirit always has something to say. Amen. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. He's always had something to say, but we must trust God and the God that formed us and the God that created us and the God that knows us to fill our mouth, to fill our mouth with good things, to fill our mouth with a powerful witness to speak boldly the name of Christ. Amen? John chapter 15 and verse 26 says, when the advocate comes, this is the Holy Spirit. Amen? When the, when the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You see, the Holy Spirit only has one topic, and that's Jesus. Amen? He doesn't have anything else to say. You know, he's, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's not like, ah, you know, I mean, the weather's nice. You know, he's not going to fill your mouth with those things. He's going to fill your mouth with Jesus and the will of God. And so he says, he will testify about me, verse 27, and you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. So let's continue to hear what the Lord told Jeremiah. Verse 8, Jeremiah 1 and 8. 
He says, so do not be afraid of them. Who's them? The world, right? Those that Jeremiah would be called to speak in front of. He said, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. How many of you know the Lord as your rescuer? Like, you know him as your deliverer, amen? I've seen the Lord come through for me, and he's delivered me, and he has rescued me. And when the Lord says he's going to rescue you, he's going to rescue you. When the Lord says he's going to deliver you, he is sure to his word. So he says, do not be afraid. I am with you, and I will rescue you. Then the Lord reached out his hand, and he touched my mouth, and he said to me, he said, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10, see, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Do you realize, church, that the God of the heavens and the earth is trustworthy? The God of the heavens and the earth is trustworthy. Do you trust his word? Oh, man, that was kind of like half-hearted. I said, do you trust his word? Do you trust what it says? Every word of it. We've got to believe this. We've got to trust in his word. We've got to put all of our being in his word. The Bible says, church, that heaven and earth will pass away. But his word remains forever. The world is fading away. The world's not the same world that I was born into in 1982. And the world's not going to be the same world when it crumbles. But his word, everybody say his word. His word never changes, church. It never, ever fails. He said he will rescue you. He said he will put his words in your mouth. He said that he has appointed you over nations and kingdoms. That sounds like pretty, uh, pretty responsible stuff. He's appointed you over nations. Think about this. What is he going to say? He says to uproot wickedness and to tear down strongholds. Oh, that means I can say something about what's happening in this world? Yes, you absolutely can. He's given you the authority. Everybody say, I have the authority of Christ. Just the same way that you know a, an officer or a person of, of you know, you know, stature or a person in uniform, they have a badge on their life. You have the Holy Spirit in your life as a seal to go out and do and say what the Lord has told you to say. You have the authority of God in your life to uproot wickedness and to tear down strongholds. The Bible says where two or three gather together in my name, there I will be. And whatever they ask for in prayer... Whatever they ask for in prayer, church, it will be done. Then whatever you what? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is why we pray. This is why we gather. This is why we, we feast on the word of God, because, listen, we have to sometimes be reminded of the authority that the Lord has given us. So that we can say, oh yeah, that's right. I understand the calling of God in my life and go out and do it and live it. He has called you, church, to destroy the works of the enemy and to overthrow principalities of darkness. Guess what? This God can be trusted. This God can be trusted. Listen to what he spoke over the young man, Joshua. 
Joshua 1 and 5, he says, no one, man, listen, church, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No one. No one. Listen to what he spoke over the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 15 and verse 20. He said, I will make you a wall to this people. He says, a fortified wall of bronze and they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. He says, for I am with you to rescue you and to save you, declares the Lord. He said, I will save you from the hands of the wicked and I will deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. You see, somebody needs to remember and receive this promise over your life that these are not just words that will never happen. They are promises that will be fulfilled, church. They are promises that will be fulfilled in your life. Numbers chapter 23, this is such a powerful story, and I'm going to just touch on it for a moment. But Numbers 23 and verse 19, it says this, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He said, I have received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot change it. Now think just for a second, church. Do you understand how powerful this is? Do you understand how powerful this is? This man, Balaam, if you remember this story, this man, Balaam, was, was sent by Balak. And he was paid by this wicked king to put a curse on God's people. He was a Judas Iscariot of the day. And he was sent with this mission and he was given a large sum of money so that he could go and put a curse on the people of God. And so in the previous chapter, on his way to curse God's people, God spoke out of the mouth of a donkey. <laughs> Balaam's like riding along. I'm going to go curse God's people. And the donkey stops. And he gets mad at the donkey. And Peter was called and, you know, all that stuff or whatever they do. That went over some of your heads. It's okay. God now speaks out of the mouth of this donkey that Balaam was riding. And when God spoke through that donkey to this man, he encountered the angel of the Lord, of the Lord that gave him this command in Numbers 22 and verse 35. He said this, speak only what I tell you. So this man who is sent to curse the people of God is now encountered by an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord stands before him in the road in front of the donkey with a sword in his hand. He says, speak only what I tell you. Speak only what I tell you, Balaam. And so this man who hired Balaam, that is Balak, to curse the people of God, he, he catches up with him and he's like, what took you so long? How come it's been so long that you have got here? He says, why haven't you done what I paid you to do. Why haven't you done what I asked? Numbers 22 and verse 38 says, he says, well, I have come to you now, Balaam replied. He said, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. Listen, church. If God can speak through a donkey and God can speak through this man that you're listening to right now, I need you to understand and believe that the Lord can speak through your life. The Lord 
can speak through your life. And I pray that he gets a hold of your mouth. I pray that he gets a hold of your tongue to speak life and to speak blessings and not curses, to speak hope and not hate. Amen? I pray that he gets so full of your life, he gets so full of your mouth that the next time the enemy wants to throw a curse from your mouth, your response is, I can't say whatever I please. Hmm. I can't say whatever I please. I must only speak what God puts in my mouth. You know that the enemy always has something to say? I kind of didn't touch on it, but Acts 2 and 13 says, Oh, all these people that are speaking in tongues, all these people that are speaking in different languages, yeah, they had too much to drink. The enemy had to put in his two cents, right? He had to say something to try to discredit what the Lord was doing. And so the enemy always has something to say. And guess what? It's always a curse. He's always looking to fill your mouth with a curse. Proverbs 18 and 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I pray that nobody has spoken death into your life. I pray that nobody has spoken curses into your life, but if they have, wash that curse off of your life with the blood of Jesus and allow the words that Jesus has spoken over your life that says, I have appointed you, I have called you, I have made you for a purpose. Allow that to fill your heart and your mind. I believe, church, it's time to speak life into a generation of curses. I believe the time is now and it's so important that we need to speak life into a generation of curses. When everyone is saying there is no hope, be a voice of hope. Can somebody say amen? When the world is saying we will all be destroyed, speak life that breaks the curses of destruction. Amen? When people say their lives are meaningless, you say the word of God over them that they are appointed, they are anointed, and that they have purpose in Christ. When people are saying, I am breaking down, I'm afraid, then tell them about your Savior. Had a guy come to my house on Monday, and he was doing some work at my house, and, and he was from Chicago. We got to speak for, for a minute, and, and the Holy Spirit just began to, to kind of lead the conversation. And, and it was so funny because the Lord reveals things. And as I was having a conversation with this man, the Lord had been revealing some things to me, and I began to share them uh, with him. I said, you know that you're prayed for, right? And he looks at me like he's all shocked. Now, he's from Chicago. Like, he doesn't live here. He, he's going back to Chicago. He just came down for a few jobs, and then he's leaving. I said, you know that you're prayed for, right? I said, you know that you have a purpose that's way bigger than that which you can even perceive or think of right now? And he just began to look at me, and he had his mask on, so I couldn't see his full expression, and he's listening. And I began to share with him the gospel. I began to share with him how the Lord had appointed him for a specific purpose, but it was time for him to fully surrender his life to the Lord. Because he told me he believed, but he wasn't living it. He told me that, yeah, you know, I, I believe, but I'm not living it. 
And after I had shared with him the words that, that, I, that I was saying, he said, he looked at me and he was just like in awe. He was kind of bewildered and he says, my mom tells me the same thing all the time. So my mom prays for me all the time. My mom is, you know, he, she says exactly what you say. And I said, this is a divine appointment, my friend. The Holy Spirit is using me to speak into your life. Because God's trying to wake you up, man. God's trying to get your attention. The Lord wants to use you. The Lord has a purpose for your life, but wake up, man. Wake up to that purpose. And he let me pray for him, and then he went on his way. But church, I need to remind you tonight that we are the only hope. We carry, I should say, the only hope and the only answer to all of the world's problems. Did you know that? Did you know that? We don't need a better government. We need Jesus. Amen? If we have Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, seek his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Amen? If at everything that we do, Christ has supremacy, then guess what? Every blessing flows from there. If our leaders have Jesus, guess what? The nation will follow Jesus. If our households and our parents have Jesus, guess what? Our children will follow Jesus. Amen? If our school boards and our administrators and our principals and our teachers have Jesus, guess what? Our children will have Jesus. If you have Jesus, those that you encounter should experience Jesus. And listen, I have to remind you that, that, that I have to take the pressure off you just for a second. You don't have to save anyone. Did you know that? The Bible says that he has called us as sowers. The Bible says some sow and some water that seed, but it is God alone who gives the increase. It is the Lord alone who saves man. But he has called you and I to be a part of this work. He has called you and I to be a part of this service. He has called you and I to speak truth into this world. The one who shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. The one who rescues us from every single work. The one who transforms your life from ashes to a work of beauty. When the world says, I can live how I want, may our voices be the only voice that speaks the truth and love. May we lovingly lead them to repentance of their sin. On that day, as the Spirit began to speak through Peter, the, the Holy Spirit was given to draw the nations of the world to the powerful light of Christ. And I want us to read this passage. I know time is passing, but let's read Peter's sermon just for a second. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. So the Holy Spirit had been given, right? And they hear, you know, men speaking in completely different languages. And it says, and then Peter stood up with the eleven. And he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. It says the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Peter preaching. He says, so fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did amongst you through him as you yourselves know. But verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Everybody say, God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is truth, church. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead and you will not let your Holy One see decay. Verse 28, he says, so you have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is still here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that would place one of his descendants on his throne. And seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Verse 32, but God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 34, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and all and for all who are far off from all whom the Lord God will call. In verse 40, it says, With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. He said, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. What is the gospel? It's telling of the goodness of Jesus Christ telling how he stepped down from his throne to come down to this earth to mingle and live amongst mankind to be born and to live out a life just like you and I have lived but in a trust relationship with his father yet was without sin and he came to fulfill the work of God he came to destroy the powers of darkness. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, 
you have said yes to Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then this is still your mission. That day in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was given as a torch to be passed on. He was given like a torch to be passed on so that you and I could carry the fire of God to every single person in this world. And so right there with your heads bowed tonight, I pray that you want to be a vessel for the glory of God. That you want to be a vessel for the glory of God. And so my prayer for us tonight is to be people that want to please the heart of God. Lord, we don't want to contain this glory just for ourselves because we love you, Lord. And we want the living word to flow from our heart and from our life. And we cannot do this on our own because you went to the Father. We are now equipped to say what you have commanded. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.